God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And wow, I'm joined by Leonora Cravota. Welcome to The Scott Adams Show, Leonora Cravota. Oh, great to be here. It's your show, too, really. Yeah. We started it together. We right? did. Um, so, yeah, it's always great to have you here on Fridays. And that's good. I love it when you're here. Well, I'm happy to um, be here. So, you know... Um, we see what's happening in Cuba, Leonor, and and yet, you know, um, it's all the draconian drac- uh, crackdowns on different things. I mean, you know, what we see is, you know, I tend to think that COVID was exploited uh, and, and that the draconian measures that are taking place now in L.A., they're going to do the same thing in L.A. again, right? Why those people in L.A. take that? But. And by the same thing, you mean require masks when yeah. they're not when required vaccinated. by the CDC. Why do you have to wear a mask Even if you're, when you're vaccinated? vaccinated? But, um, you know, so Biden came out because he, he was hemorrhaging support, I guess. Not that he ever had any. Okay, because the whole support thing is a myth. Polls are a joke. I don't even refer to polls much anymore. Because I don't, I know they're meaningless. But one of the big things about you know whether it's rigged elections in Venezuela or censorship and political dissent getting crushed in Cuba, that's exactly what's been happening in the United States under the uh, the Biden regime here, where the January sixth. Not in an insurrection. It was never an insurrection. The January 6th event, the rally was infiltrated by the, the, the Stasi police, the FBI, the most corrupt law enforcement agency, I think, in the history of the world, next to the SS in, in, in uh, Nazi Germany. And yet, it's, it's General Milley, by the way, mm-hmm who is referring to Trump as not a Nazi when General Milley is the one that completely did a 
backflip in terms of a 180 in terms of his political ideology. And it's sad to see General Milley in, uh, acting like a fool. And we know now that these people that Trump hired got a sense of the limelight and basically uh, flipped upside down and turned inside out. They were spineless individuals that didn't have a core principle about themselves and became wishy-washy in the face of power or with the scent of power. But what we're seeing play out around the world in the worst countries, whether it's Cuba or Venezuela, what we're seeing play out in America is very similar to how they got there. You know, when it comes to rigged elections and government censorship, So what disturbed me the most yesterday, and we're going to talk about the AZ audit in a big way, but what disturbed me the most yesterday was when Jen Psaki said, we're working with Facebook to to control information. And I thought, wow. You know, I'm banned on Facebook for another, what, 12 days? I guess I'm going to be free uh, around the 27th of July. But... Um, I've been banned, you know, over and over again for doing nothing. I mean, I did nothing wrong. And so, you know, Tom Cotton, the senator from Missouri, or Arkansas, senator from Arkansas, um, basically came out and said, if that doesn't smack, smell like a utility, I don't know what. So what we're seeing is this ultimate government-sanctioned censorship with private businesses Facebook is a private business, right? So that's why they do the dirty work of the government. They're doing the unconstitutional censorship that the government couldn't get away with, but they're doing it themselves. And so that's exactly what the vaccine passports are going to be about. The vaccine passports are going to be about the corporations, like the NFL now, going to have the... uh, national anthem in the opening it's going to be the black national anthem and the american national anthem tell me that's not akin to two separate countries can i ask a question what is the black national anthem do you know uh i vanessa williams sang it oh it's that song okay all right yeah Yeah. on the alternate on on the alternative to independence day yeah, I just think, you know, where we go one, we go all, right? One, All for one, one for all, right? I mean, we got to stick together if we're going to stay strong as a country. You so know, it sounds like we're dividing as a country if well, we have two just, different independence it's, it's days and two that. different anthems. Black people represent 13, 15% of the population. So are we going to get a Native American Indian um, uh, national anthem? That would be nice. You know, we're going to get a whole bunch of people singing and dancing about that. And and now the NFL is going to have Black Lives Matter pasted on the back of their helmets. Um, to me, it's a it's a when you if you go to Black Lives Matter and you click the donate button and it goes to Act Blue, which is basically a finance arm of the Democrat Party. That is a political action committee. That's a political action group. That's not. And it's run by Marxists. And they're fundraising for one party. So why in the world would the NFL do that? Because they're woke? Because they're bowing to China? Because they want to have access to Europe? 
Nobody really cares about what... Nobody in Europe cares about what the New York Giants thinks. They didn't grow up in New York or Kansas City. They don't care. They didn't grow, live in Tampa Bay. So I don't think that it's going to resonate well in Wuhan, China or um, Berlin. I don't think it's going to work. And I heard Dana White make that mention with regard to UFC. He said the reason why the NFL is never going to work out in these globalist environments is because they don't understand these histories of these teams. But they do understand fighting. So UFC has one on them. But getting back to the censorship in Cuba and the censorship now coming out of the White House, colluding with Facebook, Senator Tom Cotton said this smacks of being a utility now. So this smacks of being a utility. So we have more control now over Facebook and Twitter and YouTube and Google than we ever did before because they're colluding with a political arm of the United States government. They're, they're, they're colluding with the government, but really so much as it is they're colluding with the government as long as the government is socialist. And that's a sad chain of affairs. But they, I think they've opened themselves up to a major lawsuit. But we still have to get out from underneath the, the strong arm of censorship and the strong arm of unconstitutional practices that the government is using the private corporations to carry out their unconstitutional guidelines. They did that with Tim, uh, Jim Crow. The Jim Crow laws weren't really altogether laws. They were guidances, guidelines, written by Southern Democrats at the state and local level. And businesses carried them out. No colored people. And they got a pat on the back. They didn't get taxed or, or put out of business by the Gestapo police run by the Democrat governments in the South who wrote the Jim Crow laws. The same thing is happening today with this unfiltered bias when it comes to this kind of censorship and the tracking and the, the, the uh, collusion with DARPA and the NSA and the CIA. We want our freedom back. And that's why yesterday I was talking about this thing called the Freedom Phone. And uh, Leonora was at an event uh, two I, days ago, right? I was at the launch event for the Freedom Phone, I, and I had an opportunity to meet Eric Finman, who is the founder of the Freedom Phone and has described himself as the youngest Bitcoin millionaire. So, um, And I have a, had a picture taken with him. But what the idea behind the Freedom Phone and the impetus was, you know, everything that the uh, social media giants are doing, like, pull, you know, suppressing Parler, uh, removing Donald Trump, deplatforming him while he was a sitting president of the United States. I mean, all these types of things motivated the creation of new technology that doesn't suppress your voice. And a lot of people have gotten on board to support it. That was a very private event, too, actually. And, uh, 
You didn't even know where you were going to be going up until about 24 hours exactly. before the Exactly. You know, I actually... They, they gave the address out. When I, got, when I got the invitation, I knew what day it was, and I knew what time it was. I knew the purpose of the event, but I wrote back and I said, can you, you know, what's the address? And they said, oh, we're going to release that a few days beforehand. And I even still had to follow up and ask. And, and I was sent the address, and then a reminder was sent to people... Uh, I want to say it was probably just about six, five or six hours before the event of where it was taking place and instructions about parking and stuff like that. But it was, but yeah, it was a little, it was somewhat private, but it was, it was kind of exciting. And there's a lot of energy um, among conservatives for, for opportunities to get out the truth, um, to get out the truth that the media Goliaths are constantly trying to suppress. So this Eric Finman back in 2012, 11, he was 12 years old, invested $1,000 in Bitcoin, and now he's 23 years old, and he made $4.5 million off that $1,000 investment, yeah. right? Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. But you, uh, you've you been going to a lot of different events, and you, you, you meet a lot of people. You actually are one of those people that spends your, your whole life in D.C. every single day uh, doing a whole bunch of different things, and you get to meet a lot of people. I've been talking this week about J.D. Vance and the kind of people that we actually are have on our radar in terms of watching what they're doing because um, what Magapac and Bugle Call are all about are basically trying to get the rhinos out of the Republican Party. And I don't know, a lot, like, you know, we love Tucker Carlson around here and Tucker Carlson's been on a streak lately. But Tucker Carlson loves this guy, J.D. Vance, and, um, and endorsed him pretty much. But I'm not a big fan of J.D. Vance because he was a never-Trumper, basically called Trump a Nazi, and did so many other things. I just don't think there's room for morons like that in the Republican Party. I can't help it, but you know, if you're that wrong just four years ago, or five years ago, if you're that off the charts wrong about your thinking, I don't think you're fit to be a senator. Well, you know what the situation Because you can't be that stupid well, and well, be a senator. I don't think it has anything to do with stupidity. I have think it has something to do with flip-flopping. And the issue with J.D. Vance, which is a relatively new issue, is that he is now starting to reveal that he had different opinions than what he put forward when there was all this excitement about Hillbilly Elegy, and he, and which also became a movie. And I had the opportunity to meet J.D. Vance. I think you did, too, because you were at this event with me. Yeah, I know. And, and he um, based an event I was running a few years ago where he was the keynote. And basically, there was a lot of enthusiasm about him. And again, he plays off of his roots that he came from Appalachia and he eventually went to Yale. And that's the whole point of Hillbilly Elegy, that, that he came from humble roots and that well, we can nice all thing, come from humble roots to nice make a thing, difference. And that reminds me of Fitzgerald. And so you and I talk a lot about Fitzgerald in our private lives. Right, yes. Um, and you write about Fitzgerald and some other uh, offshoots of that. 
uh, in articles over at the American Spectator. Yeah, the American Spectator. Uh, I've also written for the American Conservative. But but there is a new article um, in the Atlantic, which tends to lean left, but they also have some very good observations. And this new article, which came out a couple days ago, is entitled The Moral Collapse of J.D. Vance. And the subhead, it's by Tom Nichols. The subhead is, instead of a truth teller in his own community, Vance as a candidate has become a contemptible and cringe-inducing clown. Now, I have not, you know, read the whole article very carefully. I've just skimmed it. But what I can say is, is that 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 is if that is what the left is now starting to say about J.D. Vance, you got to imagine that conservatives are starting to say it, too. And as he's running for election, these questions are starting to come to the surface. That's what surprises me about uh, Tucker Carlson. Yeah. And, you know, getting on the J.D. Vance bandwagon. Yeah. And uh, and what I'm what I'm here to say is I know a lot of Republicans or conservatives listen to this show. Um, and what I'm saying is anybody listening in Ohio, look him up. Yeah. And look at what he said about Donald Trump and look at how he stood against America first policies. All of a sudden, it's you know, it's it's fashionable. To, you know, uh, so the candidate he's running against, I I can't remember his name now, but um, I did look him up and I did see if you um, look at the candidate he's running against, low budget candidate, but uh, the candidate is an America first, uh, American first candidate. So, uh, on supports Donald Trump's agenda. I hope Donald Trump does the right thing. If he gives an endorsement in that race, mm-hmm. I hope he does the right thing and endorses the right candidate, the one that's been supportive of Donald Trump since the beginning, and not someone like J.D. Vance, who basically hangs around these Republican elite circles in D.C. We know him. We see him around. And he basically says whatever's convenient at the moment. We don't want people like that. That's what I love so much about the Freedom Caucus and Jim, people like Jim Jordan who speak their mind. Uh, you know, it's just... And, and I've been so disappointed in so many uh, with so many different types of candidates. I feel like you go to Washington with all this hope and aspiration that you're going to do the right things. And um, all of a sudden, it changes when they come into, when they come into some serious dough. And uh, people start to um, to really, um, you know, put it out there in terms of uh, donations to your foundation and so on and so forth. Okay, we got Julie on the uh, line. Julie, welcome to the Scott Adams Show. Oh, good morning. I just wanted to say hi to Leonora. I haven't talked to you in so long. I just hope you're well and 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 everything is going okay with you because we all miss you. Oh, aren't you sweet, Julie? It's nice to talk to you too. So you can elaborate a little bit about some of the things you're doing. Yeah, well, no, I'm I'm in I'm involved with some events um, in in DC, uh, doing stuff to help people call MAGA, MAGA pack and you know and doing and doing some uh, writing and I'm um, doing some work for the American Spectator. So it's been it's been keeping me busy, but I am managing to come on most Fridays, which is always a pleasure. But it's great, great of you to call in. Is there something on your mind today besides saying hi? Well, I, I was just thinking about Jen Psaki and her statement. Uh, if she used the word we, 
who does we include? Does it include the entire administration? Does it include uh, Biden? Uh, who does it include? And then we have to look at tense, past, present, and future. When did their working together with Facebook, Facebook begin? When is it continuing? And what about the future? How were they working in all? And did they were they completely coordinated during the election? I think she made a huge mistake. I think she's included herself, and she's going to be part of the class action suit. I, I could be wrong, but I, I think that's a big mistake. Her statement. Absolutely, I agree with you a hundred thousand percent. And I will tell you this: that um, uh, you know, it was uh, Mark Zuckerberg that colluded with Fauci in terms of censorship and that proved to be demonstrably wrong they're going to pro- they're going to also find out and I think we've already kind of proven it that Fauci was conflicted and Fauci was invested in this gain of function research and he was also fortuitously ahead of the curve when it came to him knowing that a pa- uh, pandemic was going to come out you put that th- those bits of evidence in a court of law and you got a guilty Fauci. Uh, and then oh his, his draconian mandates that proved to not be uh, correct in terms of masks aren't as uh, uh, effective as they, uh, they once said they were. Uh, surface spread, asymptomatic spread, all of these different aspects. And then it turns out also that China, uh, even Tedros from WHO came out yesterday or the day before and said, uh, that China wasn't transparent, that they didn't help out, and that China is to blame for a lot of these problems. And Fauci uh, basically, and, and Tedros and China were colluding together in the beginning. Now that this thing is starting to unravel, you know, that's another, that's another thing. And then the other part is the $400 million that Zuckerberg invested in election officials to rig elections in key districts in Michigan and elsewhere. That single statement has put together a network of people and of collusion between the CDC. It could even go to hydroxychloroquine. It could believe the yes. also be part of the uh, presentation of the vaccine that was occurred just after the election. I mean, everything it, it that just single statement fits everything together in a pocketbook. That's right. Um, we're going to go ahead and play that Gensaki uh, clip uh, here uh, shortly and. Uh, yeah. I'll, 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 I'll leave you real quick, but I just wanted to say one thing. I was thinking about the vaccine and people that have problems with magnets holding to their parts of their body with at the injection site. If, those, if there are some of the vaccines that have metallic parts in, and there is an electromagnetic pulse weapon used, how, and if some of those... Um, metallic pieces end up in the muscles of the heart could that end somebody's life if there's one of those weapons used 
Wow. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> that's a that's I know. above my pay grade. I didn't mean to say this with Leonor because I know you've taken the 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 vaccine and I know you're sensitive to it. But I just I was thinking about that yesterday. Well, actually, it, it just yeah. To your point, Leonora took it, uh, took the vaccine yeah. because she has to work in you know she works in a lot know, of hospitality, and, yeah. uh, and so um, you know I personally have not taken it. Leonora has taken it. We uh, you took what which, which one did you take? I did Moderna. I wanted to do Pfizer, and we but put the magnet on your arm. It didn't stick. Yeah, it didn't stick. So I think I'm okay. <laughs> no, I did, I did Moderna because there, there was a there was a, a location that was very close to where um, I live, and that made it very easy. Um, and Pfizer wasn't available there. And then I found out that they were stockpiling Pfizer for children. What What is your take on vaccines in terms of? Uh, well, all right. This is what my feeling about it is. I'm a person who like never even gets a flu shot. I mean, I. I really don't fundamentally believe in in excessive vaccination. In this particular case, the reason why I did it was one, yes, the reason you mentioned. And then also, I kind of see it at some point, even though I completely disagree, that there's going to be some restrictions put in place. Vaccine passports. And, travel and which I'm completely against. But on the other hand, I'm sort of like, I, I still want to be able to travel and do other things, and so, uh, and so you're I, against the whole mandate. Thing. I'm against the mandate, and I am all, and I know we're going to talk about this, but I am also particularly against any idea that somebody would knock on your door to make sure you're vaccinated. Because you know what that reminds me of? Not to put too fine a point on it, that reminds me of let's uh, crystal knocked or something, and rounding up Jews or rounding up people. Crystal knock, What's yeah. That? Well, you went over my head. Again. Well, it's one you know they destroy the pop. Uh, you know they destroy the properties of Jewish people people were I mean but again the the idea of the knock at the door not that I'm trying to focus on um, the Jewish population but that's what comes to my mind is is this idea that we're going to round up all the people that we don't agree with and that to me is very very frightening Uh, and and also what's frightening to Julie's point is that is and, and we keep saying is to have the government have way too much information about you the one thing I did refuse with regard to the vaccine was after you were done there was some type of system you could go on where uh, I get, which in my mind, they would be tracking you more. And that I didn't go on. Okay. So, you know, so well, that's, that's my take on it. My greatest concern are the injuries that are coming up with some of the people that are apparently allergic to these spiked proteins. And some people, and specifically young women, are having serious, tragic responses, immune responses from the vaccine where something horrific happens within 24 to 48 hours after they've taken the vaccine. And you're very lucky not to have had any kind of response. That's a wonderful thing. But apparently there's a lot of people that have ended up in the emergency room. And for women, too many. it has gone and the spike proteins have gone in their brain and they've had uh, brain hemorrhaging and they've done autopsies on some of the people that have had the brain hemorrhaging and it's actually caused severe swelling in the brain. Now, for young men taking the vaccine, it seems to be embedding in the heart muscle. Right. And and. And this is where the problem lies. And they need more time in order to test the vaccine to see what the the reactions can be and to impose this on our children. 
that is absolutely abusive. You because are. how do we know what's going to happen to them for, from the position of fertility? I agree with you and, completely. And, now, Julie, you just watch. They're going to come out with a COVID check because since they're in the business of giving out all these checks now, and uh, I, you know, and who's paying for these checks, J- Joe Biden? Who's paying for them? It's like the middle class taxpayers paying for this BS. Uh, that where it's just a redistribution of wealth on steroids. But the idea is, you better believe that this is conditioning as well. They're conditioning the public to depend on the government. And what they're going to do is they're going to issue checks in order to get the number up. They're going to issue a money check to all vaccinated people, right? And that's going to be like, and if you get vaccinated by X, X amount of date, right? If, you get, if you're vaccinated by, say, October 1st, 2021, you'll be eligible for end of a year uh, COVID uh, stimulus check. And that's going to induce people to getting the vaccine. They're going to basically pay them money, you know. And where do you see that roll out? That's going to roll out, and they're going to put it in. The condition is going to be COVID, right? And you watch. I I think sadly, it's going to come out that uh, the evidence of the injuries is going to come out sooner than later. And and France apparently is beginning to issue a mandate, and there's a lot of protests. And they they somehow did it, issued this notice near Bastille Day, as if there was some way that they connect connect this the the protests with Bastille Day. I don't know the exact thing, but I think that there's going to be a lot of problems across the globe because right. people just don't like the mandates. Anyway, right. so I'm uh, sorry. Uh, I it's, you. it's completely and un-American, but Julie, that. before you go, um, one of the problems with this is the government is starting to use corporations to do their dirty work. Basically because yes. they say, oh, it's a private corporation. They're not bound by the Constitution, right? So what they're doing is they're going to, that's why, the, that's why Biden needs this 70% vaccination in order to get corporate support and sponsorship. They need 70% of the marketplace to be vaccinated. Then they can bully the other 30% into submission. And that's what they're going to do. They're going to roll this vaccination stuff out in terms of mandates and passports through the corporate environment. And those are going to be guidelines. Just like the businesses throughout the South uh, adhere to the guidances of Jim Crow, which were unconstitutional, they're going to do the same thing with vaccine passport segregation as well. It's the same kind of thing. The same party that's been for segregation since the beginning of time is now going to be engaged in this vaccine passport segregation. They're also the same people that were responsible for first-class passengers on planes. It's segregation at all points in terms of socioeconomics, whether you got a vaccine or what, what, what color your skin is, which they care all too much about. And, and you have nothing to do with the color of your skin. But they care about it a lot, it seems like, the liberals. And so they're going to be using corporations to do their dirty work in terms of rolling things out. And they're going to, they're going to offer them carrots and sticks 
with regard to whether, whether it's importing slave labor through our open borders or, or through a refugee program or anything else in between, um, access to Chinese slave labor markets for manufacturing, whatever it is, that's what they're doing. They're exploiting corporations, and that's, that shouldn't be done in America. But thank you, Julie. You know what I was oh, Go ahead. You, you, you know what I was thinking about that Antikythera device, the one that the the most ancient computer that that puts together all the different revolutions and circulations and patterns of the universe and fitting together so that they can see all the different solar systems and I don't know if you've ever studied about that. And right here, right now, we're looking at all the different things that are taking place with the election and and COVID and the vaccines. And we're all going, everything is circulating and, and Mike Lindell's information and how this is all going to interplay with each other. So we just have to wait and see how everything is going to turn out. So I won't take any more of your time. All right. <laughs> thank you. I just thought I'd give you that to think about. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Thank you. Take Julie. care, Julie. Take care. Yep, bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. All right, so we're going to um, get on to uh, listening to Jen Psaki, what she has to say. Let's listen. Uh, with these social media platforms, uh, and those uh, engagements typically happen through members of our senior staff, but also members of our COVID-19 team. Uh, given, as Dr. Murthy uh, conveyed, uh, this is a big issue of misinformation, specifically on the pandemic. In terms of actions, Alex, that uh, we have taken, or we're working to take, I should say, from the federal government, uh, we've increased uh, disinformation research and tracking uh, within the Surgeon General's office. We're flagging problematic posts for Facebook uh, that spread disinformation. We're working with doctors and medical professionals to connect uh, to connected medical experts with popular with popular who are popular with their audiences with uh, with accurate information and boost trusted content. So we're helping get trusted content out there. We also created the COVID nineteen the COVID Community Corps to get factual information into the hands of local messengers. And we're also investing, uh, as you all have seen, in the presidents, the vice presidents, and Dr. Fauci's time in meeting with. Uh, with these social media platforms uh, and those... Uh All right, so that's Jen Psaki. When I first heard that, I thought, wow, this sounds exactly like like Hitler and Nazism. This, yeah. this controlling well, and, of, of, of information. Exactly. And, and when she's talking about it, she's like, you know, we're, we're, we're in touch with our scientists and our... And I'm like, wow. So they're going to, you know, so if anybody makes a comment on a social media platform that they don't agree with, they're going to take it down. I mean, it's already it's already happening and they're saying it's fake news. I don't think I don't think it's what you call fake news. I think it's what you call a different opinion. And when you start labeling an opinion which is different from yours as fake news, you're creating propaganda and you're silencing free speech. And that is what they're doing. That is what they're doing on a daily basis. Uh, basis and it's kind of a very ironic that you've got a person who's the press secretary who's supposed to be communicating the president and the administration's agenda to the press is somebody who's an agent um, or a figurehead because of her role of suppression and that's what's basically happening so mike pence is trending on twitter right now yes it says uh you know this this one thing says his aides are still getting government paychecks so the business insider basically says exclusive documents indicate that his aides are still getting government paychecks so they could be working for the other team 
that would be my uh, inclination there. So, wow. Yeah. Mike Pence had the chance that. Oh, so there's a lot of a lot of fallout to that. People were just writing about it, um, but what a traitor! What a what a turncoat! Yeah. What a backstabbing son of a gun! Well, that was the unfortunate and thing. And Millie that, is the same thing. Yeah. And you know, I often questioned the one beef I would have with Trump is uh, the whole idea: Why did you hire Christopher Ray? Why did you hire Gina Haspel? Why did you hire? Um, you know, why did you even hire Vice President Pence? Why did you hire Bill Barr? Why did you hire General Milley or McMaster or a lot of these other, um, you know, J- uh, Dan Coates from the DNI? Well, the Pence All these selection people- I got at the time. Um, but unfortunately, that's a more permanent selection. Some you, you can't you you pick a vice president. You're not only going to throw out your vice president. Some of the other um, positions you can make changes. But I think at the time, and you and I have talked about this off air. I mean, they picked Pence because Pence helped with the evangelicals. Pence helped with the Cruz people, the Cruz supporters. Pence was not as dynamic a personality as Trump. Wouldn't be a competitor to him in terms of the spotlight. There were a lot, of, and he also came across. Again, we're going back five years ago. He came across as having a certain measure about him. But to see how abruptly he basically turned on the president, while he, I think he was still technically um, in his office as vice president when he was no longer supporting the president. So it just, to me, it, you know, it's just uh, speaking of disingenuousness and it, and it was disappointing absolutely um, and so you know it, I, I Trump put out a uh, Liz Harrington put out a couple of statements and uh, with respect to uh, what what Trump has said in terms of um, his hiring of people and I'm going to try to find that right now, but um, but Trump ma- basically made a statement that basically said that people, right here, it says, statement, July 15th, he, he did this one on July 15th, uh, statement by Donald J. Trump, 45th President of the United States. Um, nobody had ever heard of some of these people that work for me in D.C., all of a sudden, the fake news starts calling them. Some of them, by no means uh, all of them, uh, feel emboldened, brave, and for the first time in their lives, they feel like something special, not the losers that they are, and they talk, talk, talk. Many say I'm the greatest star maker of all time, but some of the stars I produced are actually made of garbage. And um, basically that's saying this. I think that that what where that where he's coming from with that, and I think you you all understand, but I'm just going to say it anyway, um, is you hire these people who are you know talented individuals, but then they become starstruck, and they become maclamania. What was the um, megalomania? Ma- megalomania. So who is that? What was the the the, the great movie that we? Which, uh, um, the guy, megalomania, mania, uh, 
Well, uh, well, well, we'll think of it. But basically, the high idea. The Mayberry guy. Oh, oh, Andy. Oh, you're talking about a face in the crowd. Yes. As soon as you said the Mayberry guy, I knew what you meant. <laughs> Andy Griffith okay, in so this wonderful film called A Face in the Crowd, where it's basically, uh, make a long story short, you've got Patricia Neal, who uh, has, does some type of radio show, and she decides to feature this crooner who's in prison. And uh, suddenly he becomes, he goes from being in prison to being a national figure where, I mean, he first starts with commercial endorsements, but he gets so involved and his head gets so big as he develops uh, national acclaim where he's talking to senators, talking to movie stars, that he loses his perspective. And it's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful film. And it's a total departure from the Andy Griffith that we later saw from Mayberry. Right, right. It's a really dark role, but, but that's the word we're looking from megalomania right so Liz Harrington's been putting out some really great stuff she's the spokesperson for uh, Donald Trump and I I love the work that Steve Miller has been doing Uh, Jenna Ellis has been doing they're uh, I think working great for on behalf of our beloved president Donald Trump in any case let me read this about the Arizona audit from yesterday uh, from Thursday and uh, that is stunning in uh, in race decided by 10,457 votes, 3,981 voted despite registered after October 15th deadline. Yeah. Now, there's a caveat to that. Their, their Arizona Supreme Court said you could vote all the, you could register all the way up until the uh, day of, of the election, which mm-hmm. I think is an, a, a ridiculously moronic decision. Um, and they did that in Wisconsin, too, by the mm-hmm. way. Um, but then they moved it back to the original deadline to appeal. So there was 3,981 who voted, who were registered after October 15th. And then there was 11,326 that voted who were not on rolls on November 7th, but were on the December 4th rolls. So they weren't on the rolls when they were supposedly voting, but they were on the rolls December 4th. It almost seems like to make up the excuse, we needed more people to have voted because there's blank ballots or whatever. So we needed more people on the rolls. And then then since December 4th, 18,000 voted and then were removed from the rolls uh, after election. So there was 18,000 that were removed from the rolls. There was 11,366 that showed up on a December 4th um, audit report. Now here's the kicker. 74,243 mail-in ballots on an election that was decided between 10,457 votes. 74,243 mail-in ballots with no evidence of ever being sent. Let's take a listen as to what that um, so, for example, we have 74,243 mail-in ballots um, where there is no clear record of them being sent. And just to be clear, um, here in the state of Arizona, there's, there's uh, EV32s and EV33s. EV32s is supposed to give a record of when a mail-in ballot is sent, and an EV33 is supposed to give a record of when uh, the mail-in ballot is received. And so there should be an equal, you know, there should be more 
EV32s, more sent out than there are that, that are received. Specifically with these, we also we can tie them to a specific individual that was mailed to. And so we have 74,000 where we have them came back from individuals where we don't have a clear indication that they were ever sent out to them. That could be something where, where documentation wasn't done right. There was a clerical issue. There's not proper things there. Um, but I think when we've got 74,000, you know, it merits you know, knocking on a door and validating some of the... So 74,000 votes came in. Mm-hmm. Of the 74,000, where, where at the same point, they were never mailed out. Right. How did that happen? And it gets <laughs> back to the um, story I tell on this show about invoicing, QuickBooks, right? Yeah. We've all heard of QuickBooks, right? right? So I could have a client. And like I said, I can't, I can't create an invoice without an account. Take, we're talking about QuickBooks invoicing, right? So you can't create an invoice if you don't have an account. You first need an account. That's where the, uh, un, the illegals come in. They get an ID. Because then all of a sudden you can register them without their knowledge. You can then send them out a ballot without really sending it. So like I could create, once I have a, 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 a customer or an account, I can then create an invoice against that account. And without ever mailing that invoice, I can take, get their credit card information and pay the invoice. And now the invoice is marked paid. And basically, if you were to translate that, the account is an illegal voter. The invoice that's created is an illegal registration and an illegal ballot that was never, ever mailed out to anybody and was received and so that was a whole transaction that happened completely virtually where the registration the ballot was created and then it was and and there's a lot of cases where they said the ballot was sent out and then also it was indicated that the ballot was received on the same day this happened in Wisconsin and Michigan, for sure. And so where they said they sent them out, and then they said they received them on the same day. That's a mail-in ballot. It takes a few days to get there and a few days to get back, and that's with a lickety-split turnaround. So that's a week. But no, these were the same day. That's fraud, folks. That's fraud. Now, the 11,326 people voted in the election but did not appear on the voter rolls. There's another one. Here, let's take a listen. So we have also seen some interesting things related to the voter rolls. Um, So, for example, we have 11,326 people that did not show up on a November 7th version of of the voter rolls that should have been after votes were cast, uh, but then appeared on the December 4th voter rolls. And just be clear, they show as voted in this past election, but they were not a November 7th version of the file, and they were they did show up on the December 4th version. Okay, that sounds confusing. I, Is there, give me an explanation of why that might have, I mean, we're not, we're obviously we're not saying there's fraud, we're not saying anything else. I'm just trying to find answers. Is there a logical explanation why that would be? I cannot think of a logical explanation on what that would be, um, but it'd be a great thing to hear back from the county to see if there's any anything that we're not thinking of. And then also about the 3,981 people voted 
despite registering to vote after the October 15th date? So we have, um, from what I understand here in Arizona, um, we they originally were, Hobbs had requested that the registration date for voting be moved up to election day, and there was actually a court case that moved it back to October 15th. Based on the registration information that, that we found in the voter rolls, we have 3,981 individuals who show us having voted in this election, and their data shows up in the campus as having voted in this election. However, they were, they were registered after October 15th. All right, and then we got 18,000 voted and, uh, and then showed that they were removed from the voter rolls after the election. Let's wonder why that was. 20,000, I think it was about actually closer to 18,000 who voted in the election and then showed from as being removed from the voter rolls soon after the election. So they were on the voter rolls, they showed as voted, and then they were removed. And there could be a good logical explanation for that, um, but it was just... It seems like a large, large number to immediately have after an election be removed. And so getting more documentation on the request to remove from voter rolls or other process to make sure that makes sense seems logical. In addition, again, knocking on doors and canvassing can help validate that information. Now, before we get further on that video, that audio, the Secretary of State, all you would need to do, okay, so the, number one, the DOJ, the Biden DOJ, said you can't canvass because that would be akin to harassment. The only problem with that is harassment and, and intimidation usually applies before the election, not after the exactly. election. Exactly. Uh, so that's one. Number two, the same people that want to send the Stasi police, uh, vaccination police, to every single person's door are the same people that say you can't canvass to check for voter integrity. Right, so... Um, you know... <laughs> If, so if ever there's an example of hypocrisy. So, and they wouldn't even have to canvas and go door to door and do all this verification like the 25 votes that showed mm -hmm. up in a household of two mm -hmm. um, and that were voted. These 25 ballots voted. Mm -hmm. That's that's the kicker. Yeah. Um, that's a situation where you wouldn't even have to canvas if you would have a cooperative Katie Hobbs, yeah. who is the secretary of state, who would cooperate better. Okay. Mr. Bennett, besides knocking on doors, how would we also obtain that information? Secretary of State, voter rolls, Maricopa County, or knocking on doors is the only way to do it? I don't understand. Well, the original voting records are kept at the county level. That is shared electronically on a daily basis with the Secretary of State's office that keeps a statewide voter database. Um, the Secretary of State's office receives uh, information from vital records and other uh, the courts and uh, et cetera that is then in kind of reverse sent to the county levels to let people know, let the counties know who's died, who's been adjudicated in a court hearing as being incompetent or lost their voting rights because of a felony uh, conviction or something like that. So uh, you, I guess we could look at um, almost daily uh, data between the county and the Secretary of State's office. All right, so the Secretary of State, if she was helpful, that would be great. Um, so there's a there's also um, well, let's see. Well, there there was also this other uh, other bit of information uh, regarding um, how they're going to go about doing this. Uh, we're running out of time. I was looking at my clock actually. Um, there was this. 
there was this guy, uh, Borelli, that basically was addressing this issue as well. And there is an audio clip to this. Let's see, see if we can play a little bit of it. Karen, Senate President Karen Fan said something about maybe 25 ballots coming from one single-family home with two people living in it. Right. Um, why do you think it is that Joe Biden wants to send his goons door-to-door to knock and vaccine intimidate, but he is afraid to canvass for voter integrity? Right, right. The Department of Justice did some saber-rattling a few mo- last month that says we can't go door-to-door and canvass an election, which is ridiculous. This is not voter intimidation. Uh, voter intimidation is prior to an election. So if you're asking questions on how you're going to vote in the next election for the next candidate, isn't that a poll question? It's okay, but after an election, hey, excuse me, uh, sir, uh, did, did you vote? The- yeah, that's pretty much the, the the crux of that one. And then we have just one more clip. I wanna, I wanna, I wanna play. It's this one right here. This is a fan. Is to actually go to that person, and I've always used the example because. I do know of a case where one house got 25 um, uh, ballots in the mail and only two people live there. And so we had talked about how do we verify that and there was a question about canvassing. Department of Justice sent us a letter about four or six weeks ago and said, um, uh, we're concerned about you actually knocking on doors that you might, uh, you know, you might, uh, might be voter intimidation or civil rights violation or something, which I find is interesting after the White House last week said, we're going to knock on doors to see whether you're vaccinated or not. But <laughs> that's a side point, just, just a little side point. But, um, but so, so we told the Department of Justice that we would postpone that indefinitely until your audit was at a point where we could even determine whether that was going to be necessary or not. So can you talk to us about that? And is it going to be necessary? Is it not? Go into that part for me, please. Yeah, based on the data we're seeing, I highly recommend we do the canvassing because it's the one way to to know for sure um, whether some of the data we're seeing, if there's if it's real problems or or whether it's clerical errors of some sort. Um, so, for example, we have seven thousand seventy four thousand two hundred forty three mail in ballots um, where there is no clear record of them being sent. Is to actually wow. So uh, that's. You know, if anything, you got to say, what in the heck are they doing in Arizona? Yeah, exactly. But I don't think this is unique, Leonor. No, I don't either. I, I, I think it's, I think it's fraud. Wherever they needed the fraud, and then the other part is they're importing voters mm-hmm. now, and they're using the military to ship these vo- these illegals to key battleground districts, almost akin to gerrymandering, mm-hmm. but in an opposite kind of way. Yeah. Um, there was a great clip that we wanted to play that we ran out of time today uh, by uh, Steve Miller. Oh, we're going to run that probably on the next show. But um, in any case, this Steve Miller was interviewing with Tucker Carlson. Um, and basically, he's saying that this is willful intent. This is not by mistake. This isn't because the government doesn't have the capacity. Mm-hmm. This is willfully done in terms of getting people in. And what they want to do is they want to get as many people in as possible, and then they're going to be pushing for amnesty. Mm-hmm. And they're going to get, want to try to get 30 million people uh, access to vote and try to disrupt the demographics of this country in a way that's never been seen before. And that is uh, also what we're up against, that, packing the court, packing the Senate, 
changing the country forever, changing our national anthem, erasing our culture, critical race theory. All of these things we're up against right now, and we have to fight this fight to save our country. Uh, But that brings us to the end of the Scott Adams Show, and I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Be sure to check out buglecall.org and magapack.org for the work we're doing over there uh, and the work that our our Leonora is doing. And then um, also, if you want the podcasts for this show, go to scottadamsshow.com, click on podcasts. And uh, with that, my name's Scott Adams. My name is Leonora Cravetta. And we'll see you all next time on the radio. Bye-bye, everybody. from the suits in D.C., but close enough now to see this mess. Where I stand, the mound's getting steeper. I grab a shovel, dig a hole a little deeper, just to bury my kids right up to there.